Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we're excited today to start a brand new message series entitled, This Is Us. And uh, if you like television and you like sitcoms and dramas and different things like that, you've noticed over the past year there was one drama that really captured the imagination of America. And it was a sitcom called This Is Us. And um, when we asked the question, well, Terry, why was it so special? Why did people kind of grasp into it? Um, My personal feeling is is that uh, you have a group of individuals, a group of families, four or five different stories that are happening. And you're able to follow these families and these stories through a lot of turmoil, happiness, and and really watch the drama unfold. And I think the reason why America is connected with it is because in every one of those drama, there is mess. In every single situation, there is something that happens that you wouldn't believe or wouldn't understand, um, but it really brings light to some of the struggles of modern-day America. And so as we talk about as a group about this series, um, it's important to know this, that um, many of us in this worship center watching online, we have mess. We don't like everyone to know about it, but the truth is, is that our lives are messy. We do well in some areas, but there's a lot of areas that if we were honest and say, you know, I want to do better, there'd be a lot of uh, areas that we would seek to improve. Here's the encouragement today as we begin to unpack this story. Um, God has a specific, specific rhythm in Scripture for our families. He has specific tools to be able to give us so that when mess happens, we know specifically how to address such mess. Let me illustrate this uh, a different way. Um, Some of you might know that uh, before I became a pastor, I was a school teacher. I taught secondary education, social studies education uh, to a group of 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. And I remember going to my teacher orientation and sitting in Broward County in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and sitting in orientation, and they had a teacher that had been there for 20 years. And when they sat at the table with us newbies, um, we sat there, and they turned it over to them to give us their wisdom. And I'll never forget the person who looked at us, and they said, okay, are you boys ready? Are you ready? And we said, yeah, we're excited. We can't wait. And they're saying, okay, because uh, you're going to get eaten alive. Like, What? And they began to to share with us around the table of just how difficult it was and how these little piranhas are ready to attack you at any moment. And, uh, you know, you're you're just going to be miserable in 15, 20 years. I remember leaving that orientation going, if they wanted to scare us, boy, they did it. So I remember grabbing a friend of mine who was a teacher and I was saying, hey, do you have any advice you'd give me? And I'll never forget the words that they said. I said, Terry, here's the, the best advice I can give you as a teacher. From day one, you need to set expectation. If you set expectation on day one, your students, they are smart and they like expectations. They will fall in line with expectation. But if they don't know the expectations, they will push you. And before you know it, your class will be out of control. So I took that advice and I remember the first day of every year that I taught My first day, I would sit there and I would lay out expectations. And here was the the crowning moment at the end of expectations. I went over the rules. I went over the do's and don'ts. But the most important rule that most students want to know is, can we talk? So I remember looking at the class and I said, now here's the truth. Do I expect for you to be absolutely silent for the next 50 minutes that we are in class? No, I don't. That'd be unrealistic of me. Here's what I do expect. When I'm standing up and I'm teaching you, I expect you to listen. When I give you an assignment, assignment, I expect you to be on task. You can talk at a whisper. 
From time to time, you can whisper over to a friend. You can say hello, but I'm going to be watching. And if you fall off task or if it gets too loud, then I'm going to let you know. And if those two things happen to a point, there's going to be consequences. In fact, here's what I did. I had a bell on my desk. And I told the class this. If a line's been crossed, here's what you're going to hear. And I says, if you hear that bell, then you better quiet down. Because if you don't, there will be a consequence to pay and you don't want to know the consequence to pay. Here's the truth. In all my years of teaching, I rang the bell of all the classes I taught. I believe I rang the bell four times. I had a group of students that understood the expectation and we worked together as a class to make it. Here's the point. God gives all of us in our families expectations. And there are many times that we don't follow those expectations and our families become out of control. And behind the scenes, God is ringing a bell in your life and in mine, trying to get our attention, saying there are consequences that are going to happen, Terry. Your family is out of rhythm. But if we don't know the expectations and we don't set the expectations, where do we retreat to? So today, here's my promise. I'm going to bring you to a passage of scripture that a man by the name of Moses spoke to the Israelites. It's a foundational passage for all families. It is the expectations that God expects for you, for myself. So if you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a grandparent, it are the ex, it's the expectation for family. So that if you say, Terry, at the end of the day, I want in our relationship with Christ, I want our family to understand their expectations and I want a rhythm in our home. If that's you, I'm going to share a foundational passage that you should write down and you should have it because it will lay those down for you so that your family can have a rhythm. We're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow along on the television screen. You can f- use your iPads or iPhones. Um, or, as I say every service, if you have the Version Bible app, please download that. It has all the message notes so you don't have to spend time writing. You can just continue following along. Without further ado, our family series, This Is Us. Here we go. Moses said this to the Israelites. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is God and the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. I'm going to say it again. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Pause. Let me draw your attention right here. First thing he says, he says this, the Lord your God is alone. He is the only God. And by the way, you are to love the Lord with your heart. What is really Moses saying in that moment? Here's what he's saying from my experience through looking at this passage. Our heart, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have what we call the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit speaks truth to you. And so near and dear, your heart is the truth. It's your moral compass. And so as you travel along your days, as you navigate through life, the Lord is speaking directly into your heart. And what he says is, first and foremost, you need to love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart. Which means this, dads. It means, fathers, if you want to set a rhythm in your home, the first thing you need to know is truth comes from me and not you. Truth comes from me. So dads in this place, moms in this place, you might feel or you might be passionate about something, but you have to remember the truth and you have to love my truth, who I am, and set that as your compass first and foremost. So at the end of the day, when you make decisions, when you set guidelines, the first thing you need to remember, it is all based on who I am and not you. He says this, you need to love him with all your soul. 
that if you want a rhythm in your family, if you're a Christian in here, it means this, that if you trust him and you're near and dear to that truth, that your family will be safe. Because no matter what happens, at the end of the day, if a hurricane were to take us all out, if you have a rhythm and you love the Lord your God with all your soul, it means you have a relationship with him. Your family understands that and sees that. And that at the end of the day, you'll be in eternity with him. But then I love how practical Moses gets because God wants us to be practical. He says, and I want you to love me with all your strength. Now, when we look at strength, here's what we need to know is what is strength? Strength is associated with action. Strength of character, strength of muscle, as you can see right here. No, strength. Why are you laughing? That's just not right. Strength. And so what he really is saying is, Terry, you need to, number one, make sure that the truth is primary in your family. Second, you need to make sure that everyone understands he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through Jesus Christ. Last but not least, in all of your actions before you act, before you speak, You need to go back to your heart because if you love me with all your heart, you're going to want my truth. And then the strength that you have is within my truth. That is a mouthful that Moses said to the Israelites. Remember, these are God's people. They're wandering in the desert. They don't know who God is. They're really kind of confused. They see him and they sing, wow, he's amazing. And what Moses is doing is saying, okay, Israelites, I'm setting the expectations for your family. He is not just the God in the clouds. He has expectations for you practically in your lives. And he doubles down. Watch what he says next. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Don't miss this. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. He says, Moses says this, Dads, moms, grandparents, business owners. If you want a family that has a rhythm, if you want a business that has a rhythm, if you as Christians in this room, if you're a Christian, if you want a rhythm with your relationship with Christ, then you're to repeat these things on a continual basis. You might commit yourselves. Repeat them when you get up. Repeat them when you're in your car, when you're on the road. Before you go to bed, repeat these things. I say this a lot to our staff. If you think you've said it enough, say it again. If you think you've said it enough, say it again. Why is that the truth? Here's the truth. At our house, we have some rhythms. And we've been teaching our son, Connor, 10 years old, a lot of these rhythms. And so when he finishes dinner, we all of a sudden he will get up because he wants to go out and he wants to play a little bit more. And he will jump up from the table and he will take his dish and he will go over to the sink. And I don't tell Connor, Connor, wash your dish, put it in the dishwasher. I don't tell him that. What I do is, because I know he is nine, going to be 10, and he is going to forget what he's supposed to do. He will run with his plate over to the sink and he will put it, run water and he'll put it in the sink and then he'll run, he'll leave. I'll say, and I will say, Connor, come here. What, what, dad, what, what, what? Take a look at the sink. What are you supposed to do? Oh, okay, all right. Get it up. Oh, dishwasher, put it in dishwasher, close it. Okay, bye, right, Dad, bye, bye, bye. No, Connor, take a look at the table. And on the table, there's the silverware, the napkin, the cup, everything there. Oh, come over, pick the cup. That's the snap. Boom, 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 boom. And he'll run. Before he goes to bed, Connor, you know what to do. So we go in. He's laying in his bed, ready for bedtime prayers. Connor, did you, did you do what you had to do? 
Uh Uh-huh, yep, did everything. Connor, did you do everything? Oh, I'm supposed to brush my teeth. He'll go, run in, he'll come back. And yes, I do this, I'm weird. Did you use toothpaste? (laughs) You laugh. Those of you with young boys, you have to ask that question. And he will typically, oh, run back. He'll use toothpaste. He'll come back. Did you do everything? Oh, they'll run. All of a sudden they hear the bathroom. And then he comes out. Here's my point. From the age of five on, we began training Connor with expectations. And there are times when Connor will not see them. But you as parents have to repeat them again and again and again and again. Now, if he's 32 years old and you tell him to go to the bathroom before he goes to bed, you got a problem. I'm just going to tell you, just being real. But here's my question. In fact, I want you to write this statement down. I'm going to tell you something. The rhythm in your home will shape your family values. The rhythm in your home will shape your family values. Now, it's really, really important for a child to brush his teeth. It's really, really important for a child to learn. What are we really teaching them? We're teaching them family values. We're teaching them responsibility. We're teaching them to take care of themselves. We're teaching them responsibility. And every parent in this room would agree it's important for every child to do those things. So here's my million-dollar question for all of us. Why is it that for Christians we're so diligent I'm repeating Brushing teeth, go to the bathroom, wash your hands. Why are we so good at repeating those things? But when it comes to building a rhythm with regards to our relationship with Jesus Christ, it's absent. Why is it that we spend most of our time on those values? And the most important thing that everyone who is a Christian in this room would say, he's the most important thing in our life. Then why is it that when I go to my house or your house at times and I see how many comments or commands are issued... Most of them have to do with personal hygiene or responsibility and hardly any of them have to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We value these questions. Did you brush your teeth? Did you take the trash out? Did you take a shower? But sometimes we don't value the importance of building a rhythm in our families with our relationship with Christ. I want you to write this down. Rhythm indicates value. Rhythm indicates value. If you want a child to be responsible, if you constantly every single day are repeating things that are training them to be responsible, your child will grow up with some sense of responsibility. But if it's not part of the rhythm, it's not part of their reality. I'm going to say that again. If in your home your desire is for your spouse, yourself, your family to have a strong relationship, and when I say strong relationship, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not only talking about salvation I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about the benefits, the values, and having a day-to-day personal relationship to where God speaks into your life and you make wise choices and you better your families every single day. If everyone in this room says, yes, I want that, then why is it that when it comes to rhythm in our families, those components are absent? And we wake up, some of us in this room later on, and watch our kids grow up, and they're absent from their family, and we look at God and say, I don't understand. We had a relationship with God. I don't know why they're not doing it. The question I would have for you is, was it a rhythm in your home? Moses knows what you're thinking. 
Because it's the same that the Israelites were thinking. Well, Terry, I'm a little confused. You know, we pray, we, we do those right things. So what kind of rhythm are you talking about? I mean, I, I feel like we're doing it, but still we're struggling. Watch what Moses says next and you'll get it. Tie these commands to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. He doubles down even greater and says, look, you're missing it. I'm not talking about just speaking it. I'm saying that it should be so a part of your life that you can't miss it. That if you walk around with the commands on your forehead, your kids are going to see it. Your spouse is going to see it. Your family is going to see it. If you're a business owner and you walk around with them on your forehead, they will see it and they will understand what you're about. Moses is saying to everyone in here, is it such a part of your natural rhythm where people walk away and go, he's different. She's different. They are different than our family. And it's a good kind of difference. Let me set this up. When I got married, before I got married, one of the first things that we did when we were already planning the date and we got everything set up, my wife looked at me and she says, we need to go register. So I was like, yes, electronic store, here we come. So as we're walking there, she took a detour and she went over to the home section at the store and all of a sudden I end up in the China section. So we spent a long time looking at all different kind of China patterns. They looked a lot the same to me, but we just spent a lot of time. At our house, if you came over, we have a hutch or we have a China cabinet and in the China cabinet, we have some beautiful China. Now, Truth be told, my wife loves to entertain. And so probably about four or five times a year, that china will come out and it will come on the table. And so we get a lot of use out of our china. However, it is out of 365 days, it is used four times. Every single day, it is sitting up against the wall at a china in a china cabinet. So my question for you is this. Do you have an everyday faith? Or do you have a fine china faith? If I were to go to your house right now, and if I were to interview your family members and say, hey, how often do you talk about the expectations of God in your family? How often does your dad sit down and talk about some truths with you? If they were to look at me and say, oh, we do that about three or four times a year, you've got a fine china faith and a fine china rhythm. So how do we do this? How do we change the culture of our family. And that's important because if I were honest here, my expectation is there are many of us in this room that have fine China faith at times. We might ebb and flow and we might get better for a period, but the truth is some of us right now, we're saying, gosh, I, you know, we, we don't talk about God a lot on the everyday moments of our life. It's really, you know, we pray before we go to bed. We pray, Terry, we pray before every meal. I'm not talking about that. And this is not what Moses is talking about. You see, because the Israelites, that's what they thought. Well, Moses, I mean, what's the problem? We, we, we said, whoa, God's amazing when we saw a pillar of fire. Whoa, God's incredible when we saw... We, we, when God does amazing things, we, we call it out. And Moses is saying, you're missing it. Why does God have to do something amazing for you to recognize him? Why don't you intentionally seek after God on a daily basis? And so here's a question I'd have for you, and and stay with me, stay with me. If you're a Bible study student, you're going to love this. Why did the Israelites go through the desert for 40 years? There's a lot of reasons, and a lot of you know them. But have you ever thought, why not a beautiful oasis resort? 
I know there weren't those during that time. I'm just making this up. Why not Tahiti? Why not take the Israelites and put them in a safe place and let them sit there for 40 years and then take them to the promised land? Why did they have to go through the worst region, the desert, where there's hardly any food and hardly any water for 40 years? I mean, God, seriously, if I was part of that group and I was in a desert for 40 years, I would look up and say, I don't know if I necessarily believe God exists. Why? I'll tell you why. God had a desire for his families and his people. God wanted to change the culture of his people. God had a group of people that continued to look at him when they needed major things. And God wanted to change that. He wanted a people that every single day depended on him. He wanted dads to wake up in the morning and say, if it wasn't for my God, I don't know what I'd do. He wanted kids to know who he is. And so write this down. God's people look to God instinctively, but not intentionally. The Israelites looked at God instinctively. Whoa, there's amazing thing. Oh, we need you, God. Instinctively, when they were panicking, they called out. But God didn't want that as his relationship. He wanted an intentional day-to-day relationship where his people would say, we don't have to panic because God's here. I don't have to worry about food because God will deliver. And every single day, if the leaders and the dads and the moms walked around and talked about how awesome God is and his day-to-day promises and faithfulness, there would be a generation that would grow up and would intentionally seek God. Write this down. Sometimes it takes a desert to change a culture. Sometimes it takes a desert to change a culture. For some of you, you're going through a desert and you're saying, why? Sometimes God will allow all of us to go through a desert so that we stop looking at him in the panic moments and we start looking at him day to day, that every single day we write these things down, we talk about these things. So here's my practical question for you. What are you doing Monday with these times? What are you doing with your driving time? What are you doing with your meal times? What are you doing with your before you go to bed? And what are you doing in your morning times? Is God an active part of those times of your life? Many people, by the way, if you see me driving, you will think I'm crazy because you will eyes open, thank God, because I'm not dumb enough to close my eyes while I'm driving. But when I get in the car, and maybe it's me because I'm weird, but I've learned over the years, you know what? What a great opportunity to be able to think on the things of God and think of people that I have to pray for. Now, yes, I love podcasts and I love music and there are many times that I listen to those. But if you're looking for opportunities to be able to increase your prayer time and relationship with God, why not take the time that you have? There are many parents in here that say, I need to check it off the list and I need to pray with my kids before we go to bed so they know that God's important. I would say this, if your, God, if your kids don't know that God's important before you pray for them, before they go to bed, you're out of rhythm. What are you doing on a daily basis in your business to show them that I am a Christian leader and we will value these components and I will stand for truth If we were to interview your employees, would they look at you and know that they're a part of something great? Write this down. When you create a rhythm, you say yes to the time that you already have. 
When you create a rhythm in your family, it's not about adding 15 more things to your life. It's about saying to the time that you have and the moments that you have, instead of it being focused somewhere else, God, you are such a value. You are so important that I'm going to make it a part of my daily life with my spouse, with my kids, with my coworkers. We're going to take advantage of the time that we have. I close with this. I picture God, believe it or not, with a big bell. Because God sets the expectations for me as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. And I picture God with a bell. And I picture God watching me and watching my rhythm. Monday morning, good morning, Terry. You took five minutes to sit and talk to Connor about an answered prayer request that you prayed for at bedtime three days before. Great job, Terry, because what you just did was you made his prayers come alive. In a five-minute conversation, you expanded your son's faith that no longer is it checking off the list as a dad. We need to pray before we go to bed. But you actually did something to show them that I'm alive. That's rhythm. Terry, great job today. You took the opportunity to bring Connor to a service project to be able to help to feed someone. Because three weeks earlier, you told him about a ministry the church has where we go and we feel we feed underprivileged kids. And now you've connected the dot between what you said to what you do. You've made it a part of your life. I promise you, though, there are hundreds and hundreds of times where I check God off the list. And God is up there watching and seeing my rhythm get out of order and saying, Terry, a desert's coming. A desert's coming, Terry, because you are not focused. And if you're not careful, Terry, I don't want you to go through this desert. I don't want you to fall in this hard time. But Terry, it's coming. And then God does this. And if we're faithful and connected to him, we hear it. The problem is, There are a lot of us that don't hear the bell because we're too busy with our own lives. Today, I'm going to pray for us. I'm not asking you to do anything in addition to what you're doing. I'm asking you to take advantage of the time that you have. Would you pray with me? Father, this... This message is so important. God, right now, I, with eyes closed, heads bowed, I pray for every dad in the room. God, Christianity is not a compartmentalized action. Christianity is not about praying before your meal or praying before your bed and calling it a day. Christianity is so much more. So God, for every dad, I ask that you would spur our hearts, allow us to see the truth, and we would begin speaking into the lives of our kids while we're on the road, while we're ready for bed, while we get up in the morning. Give us the opportunities to talk to them. Father, I pray specifically for every family. May they know today instinctively what they're to do. Father, right now, May you speak. 
may we make a commitment, Lord, to hear the bell and respond. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. But I wanted to give one last announcement. I don't like being a pastor and challenging families and not giving you something that you can tangibly do. So today, as you walk out, check, check, as you walk out of this place, our ushers are going to be standing by with a distributable that will have a lot of practical steps that you can take as a family to really create a rhythm in your homes. Right now, would you join with me as we pray and ask God's blessing on our tithes and offerings. Father, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you, Father, that because of your hand of blessing, we have a group of individuals who will have an impact on the other side of the world. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people, Lord, to trust you. So, Lord, right now, I ask your blessing on on our tithes and offerings. I ask, Lord, that you would multiply them, and I pray that you'd receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.